spirit. Father, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. How many know tonight that you are J-R-S? Amen. Gloria caught it. Justified, righteous, and sanctified. Amen. So we have been acquitted. We have been put in right standing with God, and we have been set apart. We are sanctified. Amen. So that's what we have been learning so far. Last week, we talked about sanctification. Uh, let me say this first. Did anybody have a test? Everybody's through taking a test. Okay. So sanctification means to be set apart, to be separated from the world, made pure, made holy, to be fit for the master's use. So we are sanctified, and we know that we're sanctified and set apart not through anything that we have done, but through what Christ have done for us. Isn't it so wonderful to know that our sanctification is not based upon us? We were not uh, set apart because of anything that we could do or anything that um, we even try to do. It's because of Jesus, and that's determined in Hebrews 10.10. 10. By the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So that means that once we're sanctified through Jesus laying down his life for us, that was once and for all. It, he don't have to go back and do it again. It was a final sacrifice. And by him sacrificing him, himself for us, we've been set apart, made fit for the master's use. But the key to that is you have to accept what Jesus done in order uh, to be sanctified and set apart. Even though it's a done deal, if you don't accept what he's done, even though you were uh, sanctified even before you accepted him, then you won't be able to receive that sanctification because it comes through Jesus Christ. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.11 is another scripture that says, in the past some of you were like that. And this is dealing with... Um, how they carried themselves um, with sin in the past. But he said, you were washed clean, you were made holy, sanctified, and you were made right with God, justified, declared righteous in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in or by through the Spirit of God. Isn't that awesome? We was justified, we were acquitted just as we have never sinned. We were set apart, made fit for the master's use, and then we're in right standing with God. So that's so awesome through what Jesus done. We talked about Exodus 19.6, which also referenced 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, where he's telling us that we are a chosen generation, we are a holy nation, we are a royal priesthood. So he was letting us know that being that we are chosen, being that we are a holy nation, he was telling them that when they come into these lands, that people will see them different. They're supposed to be different from the other people that they are mingling um, and intertwining with. So that's Exodus 19, 6, 1 Peter 2, 9, and 10. And it also, we talked about 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, where the church is um, being sanctified, set apart in 2 Corinthians six seventeen. This is where it's letting us know that we're supposed to be separate. We don't supposed to be, um, being that we have been set apart, then we don't do what the world does. We are sanctified. We are set apart. This goes back to the Old Testament when 
the nation of Israel was different. And that's why God um, chose them, I mean, called them a chosen generation, a peculiar people, a holy nation, because this is how other people supposed have been, have been seeing them. Why? Because they had laws, they had regulations, they had things that they had to go by. So when they would come upon these other nations, they would know that they were different, that they didn't act like they did. How does that affect us today in the world? When we're around people, we should be different. We should be set apart. And people are going to know who we belong to by the way we carry ourselves, by the life that we live. And how can you be sanctified and set apart? It's through the word. So the more you get into the word, guess what? The more set apart you're going to be. That's the key right there. The more you get into the word, the more set apart you're going to be. If you see 20-year-old Christians and still acting like the world, they ain't been in that word long enough. Because when you come in contact with that word and that word, the word of God um, get on the inside of you, you're not going to be the same no more. You're going to be totally different because you knowing who you are now that you're in Christ. Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2, we always go over that one. You're going to have to renew your mind. You're going to have to make your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. The only way you can do that is through renewing of your mind. Some people uh, tell people that they're saved, but their lifestyle is not adding up to what they're saying. You can say you save all day, but if your lifestyle is not adding up to what you're saying, people ain't going to believe what you're saying. The difference is when you're around people, and you're totally different, you don't do what you used to do no more, and it ain't hard for you not to do it no more, people going to know you change. You don't have to tell them that you change because when they ask you to do stuff and you, you tell them, no, I, I'm not going to do that, and you saying that with a surety and a certainty and you're not hesitating and you're not thinking about, well, maybe I will or da-da-da-da-da, no. When, you, when your lifestyle has truly changed because you have set a time apart, with the word of God, people are going to know it. That's just how you're going to live. The reason why Christians have so many struggles with this new life in Christ is because they're not going into the word of God. Once you get born again, you just don't stop there. Once you get saved, you got to know where you're from. You got to know what kingdom you're from. You are in the world, but you're not of the world. So that means that you don't do what the world does. You're supposed to be totally different, totally separated, totally set apart your family even if it's a husband or wife and let's say both of them went into the marriage and they were sinners let's say that the husband got saved that wife gonna know uh, notice a difference with that husband because what they used to do together they may have sat down and at night they may be drinking together or they may be doing stuff they shouldn't been doing together they might be going out and partying together but all of a sudden when that man got saved his life began to change. He didn't have a desire for that no more. He's telling his wife, no, I don't desire that no more. Don't you know that's what brings the vision in a home? But if that man keep doing what he's doing and keep renewing his mind and holding on to the word of God and being sanctified through the word of truth, eventually it's going to draw that wife or it's going to drive that wife. She's going to want what he has. How do I know? Because when my life changed and my husband, he wasn't ready to get saved. But when I got saved, y'all, I'm just talking about saved for real. There's a, there's a um, place in your life where you know you saved for real. 
because nothing else matters no more. You know you saved for real. How many know you saved for real? Come on, it's, it's, it's a real deal. You got some people going back and forth, but when you know you saved for real, that's a t-shirt. I'm saved for real. Ain't no joke about it, y'all. You're going to know that you're really saved because it don't matter what people think no more. It don't matter if people don't ask you to do nothing with them no more. You are so satisfied that you even scare yourself and you begin to say, man, this is real. I don't have a desire for those things no more. I don't want to do what I used to do. I don't want to go where I used to go. So this is really being sanctified and set apart in the word. But the Lord is having me to bring something else with the discipleship. And I love this right here. Repentance. We got to talk about repentance because I don't really believe people know what it means. You know, even saved folk, you know, we got to truly know what it means. And when we truly accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we're talking about repent, it means to have a change of mind, to turn from sin unto God, to go into another direction. It means to have a godly sorrow. Oh, man, it's so many meanings dealing with the uh, word repent in the Old Testament and going to the new. So it means to have a change of mind, to turn from sin unto God, to change directions. And it's godly sorrow. It's regret. That's what it is. But the main thing is to have a change of mind, to turn from sin unto God. That's what repentance is. And I'm going to give you... I might have a lot of scriptures, but remember, I only ask you for one, right? I only ask you for one. So when you go back to study the scriptures, it is good to study them, but you do need at least one to stand on. Well, actually, you need three witnesses. <laughs> you know, you have to have three witnesses. So I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures just to lay a foundation dealing with repentance. The first one I want to give you is coming out of the book of Ezekiel, the 14th chapter, verse 6. And this is God talking to the house of Israel. And he's talking to them through the prophet Ezekiel. Remember we say a prophet is one that back in those days was a mouthpiece for God. They went to God, God spoke to them, and then they spoke to the people. So Ezekiel, he was telling them what the Lord was saying in Ezekiel 14, 6. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent. And turn yourselves from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations. So the Lord was sending the house of Israel a word. First of all, he was saying repent. Remember, repent means to have a change of mind, to turn away from sin, turn to God. You need to go into another direction. Now, when you see that word repent, that's what it's saying. But the verse is actually telling you the meaning. Turn yourselves. He's saying, turn yourself. He's saying, turn away from these abominations. Turn away from these idols and turn away your faces from all these abominations. So God is saying, turn. It's time for you to turn away from those things and turn to me. So, you know, if Ezekiel was telling them these things, God had to give them a message to Ezekiel about these things. So he was telling them, this is what you have to do. So that's our first witness, and I do have another. Ezekiel 18.30. Ezekiel 18.30. He said, therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, 
Everyone, according to its way, says to Lord God, repent, here we go again, and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. So here God goes again, telling Ezekiel, tell the house of Israel, look at how many opportunities and how many chances God was given the house of Israel. He was saying, repent, have a change of mind, turn yourselves. He said, dealing with the abominations, dealing with the idols, dealing with your sins, dealing with your iniquities. He said, turn away from these things before it become your ruin. What is God saying? He don't want none of us to go to hell. So he's such a loving God, he keeps giving an opportunity over and over and over again. How many times do God have to say, repent, turn yourself, repent, turn yourself, have a change of mind. So God said, I'm giving you the opportunity through the word that I'm sending you for you to turn. So ain't no excuse for you because you have been told, you have been given the message. Let's look at another one. Zechariah. 1 verse 3. Here we go again. Therefore say thou unto them, thus says the Lord of hosts, turn ye unto me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, says the Lord of hosts. That turn there is still talking about repent. God said, turn away from your sins, turn to me. He's telling them what to do. Now y'all familiar with this one. Second Chronicles 7 verse 14. We hear this one a lot. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. This is talking to a sinner man. He's telling them that if my people, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, so see, in order to come to God, you got to humble yourself. It's not about you no more. It's not about you. That's what being humble means. Pride means you exalting you. But when you humble yourself, you coming in submission unto God. So he said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. So these people were not turning from their wicked ways. So here go God. He's bringing it in again. Now, why did I give you all these scriptures? Because I want to lay a foundation and let you know repent. When you see it in the Bible, it means turn. And when you see the word repent, you're going to see turn right after that. So it's giving you the definition of really repent, having a change of mind, turn, turning from your sin and turning to God. Look at all of these prophets God used to tell them, repent, have a change of mind, turn from your sin, turn towards me, let go of your idols, let go of your abominations, let go of your transgressions, let go of your iniquities before it ruin you. See, God was giving them warning. He was giving them a chance. How many times do you hear the good news being preached, giving people a chance? Tell them about the good news concerning the kingdom of God and how they need to turn away. Here go to the, the example in the New Testament. Y'all familiar with this one? We went over this. Matthew 4, 17. This is Jesus. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent. 
It means change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sin, live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look at what Jesus was telling them. This is what he began to, uh, to preach, to proclaim. Jesus was bringing the, the kingdom, and he was saying the only way that you can get in this kingdom is to repent, to have a change of mind, to turn from sin, to turn you know, unto God. Jesus was the way unto God. Jesus was the way to get into the kingdom. So it, it takes what? Repentance to have a change of mind. That means the only way you can have a change of mind, you need to hear the good news. And if nobody is giving somebody good news, you know what people say? If you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. They already know they're going to hell. Is that good news? No, that's not good news. We need to talk about how Jesus um, died for us, how Jesus um, acquitted us. All the uh, sin and stuff was on Jesus. He justified us. He took on our sins. He gave us his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for us. So he can become what? The righteousness of God through him. Also, we've been sanctified, set apart because of him, not because of anything that we can do. So when we begin to tell them the good news concerning Jesus Christ, and when we begin to manifest the kingdom, don't you know people are going to want what we have? And when we begin to live a life that's set apart, not just telling people what to do and not living according to what the word tells us to do, you got a lot of people trying to save folk, and they truly haven't turned their life over to God. Because their lives are not the way they need to be. But they're telling people, you need to be saved like me. I have heard so many people that have the title prophet. A girl was telling me not too long ago, um, this lady called herself a prophet. She, she's on drugs, and she tell you what God wants you to know. And the girl said, I don't want to hear nothing from you. Why would I hear from you and you doing exactly what I'm doing? But she just as high as she can be and speaking in tongues and telling them what God wanted them to know. And she say, I'm saved. She need to be taught. And see, this is what I'm saying. And this is why we're talking about repentance on tonight. I'm telling you, when you truly give your life to Christ, there is a change, y'all. Ain't no more of this um, one foot in and one foot out. Either you're in or you're out. You can't serve two masters. So people really need to have a change of mind. Some people tell you, like we was talking about on Sunday, it's okay to, to lay around and sleep around. You're going to get married one day. So God overlooked that. How can he overlook a command? When the command said, thou shall not, that mean not. But some people look at well, I'm saved. He, he gave me grace. He gave me mercy. Yes, he did, but he didn't give it to you for you to continually sin. Jesus done away with sin. When you do away with something, that means you done away with it. And when you know what he's done, you shouldn't even want to do what you've been doing. That's how you know where you really are. If any of y'all got unction, what I mean unction, and you go keep doing what you're doing and doing what you're doing and doing what you're doing. And you do it so much, it becomes so much a part of you, you don't think that's sin no more. You just think that's a way of living. So when somebody bring you the word of God, and the word of God is what's going to sanctify you, what's going to set you apart um, from what you're doing, then you look at them like they're crazy and say they're too holy. 
Because they're telling you the word is what sanctifies you. The word is what sets you apart. I guarantee you tonight, if anybody want to change something, I double dog day to get in that word and meditate on that word like the word says. And you will see your life transform and you will see it change because the word will quicken you in that thing. The problem is the enemy don't want us to stay in the word long enough for that change. See, your spirit is complete. It's made new. This is where the holiness is. This is where the justification. This is where the righteousness is. But until you renew your mind to whom you are, now that you're in Christ, you're going to live just like somebody that ain't saved. Because you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to work it out. And he's already worked it out for you. You just need to accept what he's done. The Bible is your spiritual mirror. This is how you know who you are. And if you never pick up this word, you would think that I'm too holy. All that ain't, all, now that's foolishness. That's what some people say. It don't take all that to be saved. No, I'm just living a saved life. That's what I'm living. I'm living who I am now that I'm in Christ. And I'm sorry if that offends you, but I'm not sorry for who I am and how I live. That's the difference. See, some of us, we try to duck and dodge. We don't want people to know that we really saved. We want people to think that, you know, I can still do that. And you do it in a sly way. You don't want to not let people uh, think that you're disagreeing with them. So you just don't say nothing. Right? That's what we do. We just, the first thing that the excuse we come up with is, they ain't going to hear me anyway. But you feel an unction. Because see, if you got that word in you, it's going to come out of you, whether they want to hear it or not. That you're going to be so full of life, so full of him, that the moment you open your mouth, he's speaking for you, he's speaking through you, and he's speaking truth in love, and he's not hitting it on your head like a hammer, you know, like a hammer, but he's just bringing it through out of you. Why? Because that's where you've been. And guess what, y'all? When you truly repent, you're not bothered by what people say. You don't get offended by what people say when they say you super say, oh, praise Jesus. Hallelujah, anyhow, I'll take that one, glory. Some people get offended when somebody says, oh, you super saved. You act like you better than anybody else. No, I don't act like I'm better than anybody else. That's just the way I roll now. That's just the way it is. But some people are so afraid of the people that they hang with that they don't even want to share him. And then when they do stuff that ain't right, you don't even take up for Christ. No, that ain't the way that's supposed to be. I beg you to differ. Mm -mm. We let people disrespect us. Guess what? They ain't disrespecting you. They're disrespecting the God that's in you. What give you the right to come up and smoke or mess with them drugs and drink right in front of me and curse right in front of me? Something wrong. I'm going home. I need to check myself because evidently I don't know who I am and you don't know who I am because if my life has changed that much, have you noticed if people around you in a cuss word or so, oh, I'm so sorry. They know who you are, right? But if they keep chain cursing, have you ever seen a chain cursing? The bleep, the bleep, the bleep, the bleep, the bleep. Ain't no excuse me or nothing. The bleep, the bleep, the bleep, the bleep. And your eyes is buck. <laughs> Come on, has it ever happened to you? And you sitting up. <laughs> See, this is what I say. True repentance. When you have truly repented, and you turn your life over to God, 
things are not tolerated like they used to be. People get offended because that's why, who was it that said, Joshua, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I ain't changing because you don't want to change. But this is how it is in my house. So when you enter my house, you know the difference. Some of us don't get visitors. Let's just say hallelujah right now. If people are always coming in your house and you're getting all these visitors, that's cursing, that's bringing beer to your house and stuff, you better check yourself. Because when you quit getting visitors, you know why you quit getting. Only visitors that will come is the ones that's trying to give you another God. Now, now, anybody home? <laughs> but this is what true repentance is. Now, let's get into some scriptures that tell you about um, repentance and how true repentance is. Let's look at Matthew 27, 3. And I might have to stop on some of this and go into it next Tuesday. Oh, yeah, it's a lot. Y'all, I got tied up in this. I really enjoyed this. I was just typing out all them scriptures. Matthew 27, 3. Look at this. We're talking about Judas. It says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. Now, this right here, with Judas was not godly sorrow. This was worldly repentance. How do, how do I know? I want you to look at the verse. After he done what he done, understand this, he had already rejected Jesus. He had already turned away from Jesus. He had already turned Jesus over to them. After all of that happened, look what, look what Judas did. He went back and said, when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, that means he was condemned, he was ready to be crucified, he was gripped with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver. Okay, true repentance means that I'm turning from what I'm doing. He didn't turn from it, did he? He did it. He turned him over. If he had a turn from it before he accepted the 30 pieces of silver, that means that he's going into another direction. See, some people say Judas went to heaven. No, he didn't. He went to hell. Some people say, oh, he repented. God forgave him. Mm -mm. He repented after he done what he done. He already rejected Jesus. Remember, when you reject Jesus, when the word of God is coming to you, it's too late when it's time for the end to come. Some people, you know, try to play it off like, Oh, okay, I'm saved. I'm going to get saved and da-da-da-da and try to say a prayer in a coma. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, not in silence. Hello, somebody. If you confess with your mouth what you believe in your... Don't confess means speak. Anybody? So this is what Judas did. He portrayed Jesus. Then he felt guilty. He felt a remorse. So guess what he did? He's going to go back to them and give them the money. Man, you done crucified him. You done done the dirt. 
And then this is what happened. They're going to ask him, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed. He didn't tell God. He told them. You got to confess this to God. He told them. He said, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? Ain't that deep? They didn't care. That's what they wanted. They, Satan was using all of them. But look, guess what happened after this, y'all? The man committed suicide. That's what happened. So what am I saying? That was not a godly sorrow. See, you got to know the difference. When somebody is truly godly sorrow, you're going to see a change. They're going to be another direction that they're going in. See, if he was godly sorrow, he wouldn't have never turned him over because he would have heard the spirit and he would have left it alone. This is why I tell people, when you godly sorrow for what you've done, you ain't going back in that direction no more because your mind have changed. Amen. When your mind changed, you ain't going to keep doing what you're doing no more. Y'all know what I'm talking Come on. Y'all know what they're talking about. I'll give you an excuse. I mean, excuse. <laughs> no, I ain't going to give you no excuse. But what I'm saying is, when someone tell you, if you don't stop doing this, you're going to die. Do you change your mind? Anybody? You change your mind, right? If a doctor tell you, if you don't stop doing what you're doing, you're going to die. What do you do? You change directions. You're trying to work that thing out, right? You're trying to fix that, that thing. So when you truly repent and you godly, and I'm going to tell you how you know that a person is truly fixing it. They don't go back that way no more. They stay right there. They ain't changing because they made up their mind. They made up their mind. They're not changing. And I, I can tell you the truth. You can make up your mind when you choose to. You can't. It'll be a fight. Your flesh going to fight you now because that flesh is used to doing what it do. If that flesh sneak out at 12 midnight, midnight, that flesh going to be ready to go. But if you submit to God, you can resist the devil. And if your heart truly have changed and you, you made up your mind, I ain't going to do it no more, you don't do it no more, do you? Because you have truly changed. That's when you know it's a godly sorrow. That you ain't going back to do. Some people say, it's so hard. No. It's just what you're making of it. Because anything that you choose to do, you do it. So this is what was happening to, to Judas. And I want you to listen to 2 Corinthians 7, verse 8 through 12. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 8 through 12. This is Paul talking. And I'm reading out the expanded Bible. 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 12. This is what Paul was saying. For even if my letter, Paul's severe letter that he wrote after his painful visit, he said, made you sad, that means grieve you, I am not sorry I wrote it. At first I was sorry because it made you sad, it grieved you. But you were sad, grieved only for a short time. Now I'm happy. I rejoice not because you were made sad or grieved, but because your sorrow, listen at this, made you change your lives, which led to repentance. You became sad, grieved in the way God wanted you to, so you were not hurt by or punished because of us in any way. The Christians repented, um, repentance prevented further sorrow as well as discipline from God. 
for the kind of sorrow God wants makes people change their hearts and live leading to salvation. And you cannot be sorry for that. There can be no regret for that kind of sorrow. It said, but the kind of sorrow the world has brings leads to death. See what this sorrow, the sorrow God wanted you to have, has done. It led to produced in you. It made you very serious, eager, earnest, zealous. It made you want to restore yourself. It made you angry and afraid. It made you want to see me. It made you care and regain your innocence. So what Paul was telling them was, you know, when he wrote them that letter, he said at first it made him feel bad. But then Paul realized that that letter led them in a way for them to change, for, ha- for them to have a change of heart, a change of mind that led to repentance. That's godly sorrow, y'all. This is why the good news have to go forward. When you give good news to people, the word will take care of itself. Once you give them the news concerning the kingdom, you cannot make them take it, but that news is going to lead them to repentance. Some people are not telling people truth, and that's leading to death. But when we tell people truth of what the word of God says, guess what? They're going to get convicted of that because you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to let them know the way that they're living is not right. So this is why we have to give people truth. I don't care who it is. See, some people, well, I'm not going to mess with them. I'm not going to say that. And you say, you want them to go to hell? Come on, give them truth. Speak truth in love. The word will work for itself. The Holy Spirit is the one that releases the power for the word to be made alive in their lives. So that's what Paul was saying here. The letter was, was tight, but it was right. Paul gave it to him like it was, and he said he rejoiced because that led to repentance. And this is what we're supposed to do. There is no way, y'all, we can hang around folk all the time, and you don't never see no change in you in the midst of them. You should see something. I can tell you this. I was at a funeral, and we were sitting in the dining hall, and I hadn't seen this cousin in years and this cousin sat there, and I was sitting there, and I was just um, just sitting there eating. And the cousin looked up at me, and they said, I am so depressed. And at first, I was shocked because I was wondering, who is that talking to me? So as we began the whole conversation and the Holy Spirit just tapped in, I mean, they was just at attention. See, this is what I'm saying. There's no way you can be in a place and not change somebody's lives if he's in you. There's no way we can be in a place that change should not come because people should see you separate. They should not see you as that same person. I can walk up on the scene with family and I can feel daggers hitting me. And I'm just saying, hello. Hey, how you doing? And I'm like, I just pulled up. What's going on? The next thing I know, somebody come up and say, come here, come here, come here. I done done something and ain't been there to do it. It's because of her you saying this. Wow. Glory. I rejoice. I rejoice in it. Why? Because they know who I am and who I represent. So won't you rejoice? You know you ain't done. But if you in the midst of them and they, hey girl, how you doing? You say too. 
they don't know you like that yet. Because they still got something on you. See, when you separate it, you don't have to really separate yourself. Just walk through the door. You already separated with a crowd of people because it's a light on you. Here she go. <laughs> you don't have to say nothing. There she is. Whole house gets silent. Come on. Come on. Let's just be. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Tell the truth. Look, Miracle Temple, I have a name before I get to the church. Why? Because <laughs> I don't hold back. You don't supposed to hold back. If your gun is loaded, you got to release it. You don't say, wait a minute, I ain't going to use that bullet tonight. When you truly have repented and you godly sorrow, sorry for what you have done, change comes. Change comes. And people know the change have come. You don't have to say nothing. Just walk in the room. Y'all know when Jesus walked in a place, they were ready to kill him. They were ready to kill him. And then when he opened his mouth to talk, they were going to stone him. And Jesus went right in the midst. Come on, he went right through him. They were going to throw him off the cliff, wasn't it? Jesus just walked right through him. Now these days, we worried about what people think. What did I do? You got saved. That's what you done. <laughs> You got saved. What did I do? Nobody don't seem to like me. Everything I do is so wrong. I'm tired of all that crying. You need to rise up and be who you are now that you're in Christ. My family don't care for me no more. Because you're separate. They ain't saved. You saved. They ain't going to like you. But that's my family. We were tight all our life. Isn't that what we say? We were raised together. Y'all know what I mean? And you whimpering like a puppy. They don't care. They want you to whimper. Because they got you. Come on, y'all. When I truly got saved, I got cut off. Cut off. Off the map. Y'all didn't know it worked like that. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Give you another example. I'm going to give you a man named Job. How about that? Let's look at Job 42.6. Job 42.6. This is what Job said. So now I hate, despise myself. <clears throat> I will change my heart in life. I will repent and I will sit in the dust and ash, ashes for his questioning of God, not for anything that led to his suffering. So what was going on with Job? Y'all know Job went through a crisis in his life. Job wished that he was never born. Job went through some stuff. He even had friends to come to him and try to help him. To try to say, you know, you done sin, Job. But finally, about at the end of the book of Job, God began to talk to Job. After the word was spoken to Job, that's when Job says, so now I hate, despise myself. I will change my heart and life, repent. What am I saying? The word will help you turn. This is how I know people don't truly get in their word. 
Because if you get in your word, there's supposed to be a change of mind. There's supposed to be a change of direction. You're supposed to turn from what you're doing and turn to God. Anybody that stay mad for 40 years, please, what Bible you read? I want to know what book you read. Because there ain't no way you can say you speaking in tongues, getting up early every morning, and still got a grudge. And still talking about people. You ain't repenting. You probably went to God and said, well, I'm sorry. No, you ain't. And God know you ain't. Because when you truly turn from something, you love your neighbor. You go to them and ask for forgiveness. How can a person that have truly know that God has forgiven them, and they said that they repented, but yet they have unforgiveness for certain people? They don't add up to it. Hmm. Got another t-shirt. What Bible are you reading? That's a good one, ain't it? So we see Job. Once God gave Job the word, y'all, when the word come, you change. You turn. Come on, when you in that word, you'll be like, oh, Lord, that's me. God, I'm so sorry. Don't you? I can't go back that way no more. That's what the word do. It, it gives you light dealing with that dark area in your life. It helps you to see you. Quit looking for everybody else except you. Find you. Well, that's me. That's me. Then you look at Jennifer, I'm sorry. That's how quick you can tell somebody you're sorry when you, honey, I'm sorry. Because that was me. Miss Mary, I saw me. So I couldn't look at them no more. Because <laughs> I've been in the word. And then when I know, I ain't going back there no more. I got, some people say, sought up. I got sought up, y'all. No. I knew what I was doing before I did it. I just did it. I ain't want to say I was sorry. Mm-hmm. You get like that sometimes. Brett hateful. Brett stubborn. Don't look at me. Don't even breathe. Have you ever been so mad with somebody and they breathe on you? You make you madder. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Let's be real. Quit breathing on me. What you breathing on me for? Get out of my face. Because <laughs> you're mad at them. But when you're so in love with them, everything, breath and all, don't matter. Come on. Let's be real. You want to eat them up like a cookie. <laughs> Get mad at them. You want to crumble them up like a piece of cake. <laughs> Y'all know. Y'all know. But when you truly get into the word of God, you can't do nothing but go to that person and say, whoa, it was me. That's what the word will do to you. It will change you. Y'all want some more? Okay. That's when it get good. It's just getting hot right now. I'll stop right there, though. I'll leave the rest of this for later. Y'all meditate on that much. Red, meditate on repent and what it really means. Because when you truly repent and you turn from God, you deny yourself, you separate from everything else, but it is a renewing process. That's why you got to go into the word to live a sanctified life. 
That's the only way you're going to be able to live a sanctified life. Because if you don't get into that word, you're going to think you okay just because you say. But people are not going to see you for who you really are. They're going to see you for how you present yourself like the world. So they're going to still hang with you. I guarantee you if I gave you a challenge today. Get in your word more and see if the same people you're hanging with want to hang with you. Get in the word more. Let the word get in you and see if you're going to have the same friends. They ain't going to be able to tolerate you. You ain't going to be able to tolerate them because you're going to see them for who they really are. That's why we got so many problems in the church. People want to hang with the world (laughs) and be saved. If you're going to hang with the world, you're supposed to be bringing them out of the world and you're supposed to be bringing them into the kingdom. And if you've been hanging with somebody that long and they're not being a part of the kingdom, evidently you're a part of the world. That's what's happening. So when you truly repent and you truly turn yourself over to God, you don't tolerate that stuff no more. You don't want to be a part of that stuff no more. All the foolishness, all the stuff that the world is doing, that that, that don't make you happy no more. I remember my husband used to tell me, what you want, just give me another Bible, that's all. Give me some more Bibles. Give me some more Bibles. I just sit there and feel them things and open them up. Let me see what this one got to say. Reference it. Oh, I just love it. Why? Because I want to stay so full of him. And so many people say, well, why you got to have all these different Bibles to stay full of him? Because I got to get the right one to make sure it got the right feel. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, do you? I see some people just leave their Bible home. Any old way. We need to make sure that we're in the right place with God so we can bring people where we are. And that's why we're having these classes, so we can get our mind renewed, so we can learn from the word, and we can share what we learn to others. Do you know every time that we come to Clem, we should take a snack out or something out to go home and meditate on and then begin to talk to other people about, and they'll be like, wow, I didn't know that. What did you say? I don't have to wear that stuff on my head no more to be holy. I don't have to do this no more. Some people are wore out. They're tired because they don't know what they're supposed to do or how they're supposed to do it. And that's a renewing process. So I pray that just that much has helped you to understand what true repentance is. It means to have a change of mind, to turn from sin unto God. It's going in another direction. It's godly sorrow. It is regret. It is feeling guilty for what you have done. And when you have all that going on, you don't want to go back to that same place that you've been in. Amen. Do anybody have anything from last week's teaching? Okay. Any announcements? Okay. Well, the deacon can come. Manny?